My next guest just recently retired from the game after spending 20-plus seasons in the National Hockey League. It's my pleasure to welcome Brendan Shanahan to the program. Brendan, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you. Brendan, there's a lot I'd like to talk about with you this evening, but uh, let's start at the beginning for you. You were born just outside of Toronto in uh, Mimico, Ontario? Yeah, just uh, sort of on the western uh, outskirts of Toronto. Who are some of your idols growing up as a kid? I guess everyone in Canada aspires to be a, a hockey player when they're young. Yeah, my, my favorite player was Daryl Sittler. He was a uh, captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, uh, yeah, growing up uh, on the outside of Toronto there, it was like, Every little kid loved the Leafs, and I, I picked, uh, you know, their captain. I, I liked the way he played. While I was a kid, he scored uh, scored 10 points in one game, so he was uh, That's right, that's he, right. He was an exciting guy. He still holds that NHL record today. That's right. Now, I read somewhere also that you were quite a lacrosse player as a kid as well. Actually, lacrosse was my first sport, my, my favorite sport. And then at a certain point, somewhere around... Uh, 15 or 16, I decided I would concentrate uh, on uh, hockey. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, my friends who still play lacrosse say that uh, as much as, as much fun as they're having, that they think that uh, career-wise I made a better choice. Yeah, I think uh, I think you made the right choice considering how long you, you played in the league. Now, coming into the league, there were high expectations. You had a great junior career with the London Knights, and you were chosen second overall by the Devils in the 1987 draft right after Pierre Turgeon, but here you are, an 18-year-old kid walking into a, an NHL locker room for the first time. I imagine it had to be a little intimidating for you. Uh, it was, it was, you know, and I, um, you know, I, I obviously had a lot of respect for the, my, my teammates that I was meeting and playing with, and I a lot of them growing up. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say I was quiet or shy. I was, right. if anything, I, I, I met some of it with Brett a little too much, but, but was always had a big smile on my face. And, and uh, you know, I was interested. I, was, I wanted to be involved. Uh, I, was, I, was very, I was very happy to be a part of the team, but certainly uh, I wanted to be included. I wanted to be included in everything. And uh, I was sort of like the little annoying brother <laughs> that wants to uh, come along everywhere with the guys and... Uh, but over time, uh, that 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 takes that takes usually just about uh, one year. And that with with me, I think in that season, it was it was uh, the initiation for me was just getting into the playoffs and getting into some of those battles together. And uh, and then suddenly the the age of the players, whether you're a young guy or an old guy, so right. gets erased, and now you're just a teammate. You know, you had, I think it was the first year you were with the team. The Devils uh, had a pretty good run into the playoffs. I think you guys had to beat the Rangers on the final day of the season just to make the playoffs, and you guys end up running up to the, the conference finals that year. Yeah, that was uh, the 87-88 season, and in the final day of the season, I, I believe there were three, three teams that were tied for the final playoff spot, uh, the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Devils. And you're right, we were the last ones to play because we our game was in Chicago, so we were an hour later than the Ranger game. And apparently they uh, they won their game, which put them in the playoffs, and they all sat around their, their locker room and watched us play and saw John McClain tie the game up with a few minutes to go and then uh, win the game in overtime. A tie would have a tie would have meant uh, that we would have been out. did not make the playoffs, yeah. and, and uh, so I guess we, we crushed their hopes. And you guys went out, you took that momentum and kind of went on a nice little run. You, you beat the Isles in the first round, then the Caps in seven games. You almost made it to the finals, losing uh, to the Bruins in the conference finals that year. So here you are. Was that your first or second year in the league? That was my rookie year, that, that, yeah. And yeah. I, we, uh, yeah, we lost in game seven of the uh, conference finals uh, right. in Boston. And then they went on to get swept by, uh, by Edmonton. 
Now, in that Bruins series, I remember head coach uh, Schoenfeld was, had that incident with, uh, with the referee Don oh, Koharski with the, the whole donut thing. You know, where, where were you sitting when that happened? Uh, you know, I think we were in the dressing room by that point. We just heard the yelling and the screaming going on, um, but we didn't we didn't realize that there was you know some physical contact and some pushing. But uh, right. yeah, we were all in the dressing room. We we were actually a really young, wild bunch. And what was what was funny was at the end of that playoff, you know, that was my first year in the NHL, and it was the first time the Devils had made the playoffs. So right. We all we we were such a young team. We just sort of assumed that. This is how the playoffs go, you know. Like you, you <laughs> didn't miss a number, beat with that. <laughs> well, number one, we we were wild. We were nuts. Like we uh, we fought every single game. As a matter of fact, our second series of that playoff year, uh, Devils against Washington. If right. you look it up, it's a seven uh, game series. Also, it's uh, yeah, it's a seven game series. We beat them in game seven, but it's still the record for the most penalty minutes between two teams in a playoff series. So it was a wild, wild run. <laughs> Now, following that season, you uh, I shouldn't say that season, following the 1991 season, you become a free agent, free agent, you end up signing with the Blues, and now at the time, the Blues wanted to give up Curtis Joseph and Brendan Moore for some picks, and the league ended up giving the Devil Scott Stevens instead when you signed. It's funny, after being drafted by the Devils, you end up having, having your best years in Detroit with the Red Wings, but as it turns out, I think that transaction might have been the, your greatest contribution uh, to the Devils organization. <laughs> Yeah, I was kidding around with uh, Kenny Danico the other day uh, about that. We I saw him in the Olympics, and uh, I said that uh, even though I I myself only won three Stanley Cups, I feel I'm responsible for six. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, obviously, we all know how what a career uh, Stevens had in, in New Jersey. But um, so you spend a year in St. Louis, you end up in Hartford for a year before getting traded by the Whalers to the Red Wings, and. That was right at the start of the 96-97 season where you turned out to be quite a successful run for you in Detroit there. Well, yeah, you know, when I was when I was traded on the trading block in St. Louis, um, I actually thought I was going to New York. And as a matter of fact, I was, I was in New York at the time and sort of looking for places to live. And, really? Uh, it was that close to, at the time? Yeah, and, uh, you know, even, you know, Coley Campbell, some of the people that are there will tell you that, but what happened was all of a sudden um, my agent, who's really good friends with Jim Rutherford, said, you know, Hartford's in the in the deal, and I said, listen, my, my heart's not I'm coming to New York, it's, I'm, I'm here, I'm looking for places, tell them to get out of the deal. <laughs> so, uh, so I was in a restaurant with some league personnel and some other players, we were doing a promotion, and I got called, uh, you know, I, I think it's Ben Benz, I got called to the front of the restaurant, and Brian Burke was on the phone, mm -hmm. and uh, he said, uh, you've been traded. And I said, is it to the team I wanted to go to or the other one? <laughs> and, uh, you know, he said, you know, the other one. So I got on the phone with, uh, you know, Jim Rutherford the next day or two, and I was pretty upset because I had asked him, and I had a relationship with him going back to my junior days right. when he was in Windsor and I was in London. I would asked him not to do it, and he did it anyway. But in the end, you know, what he had said to me is that, they were a team that was sort of talking about moving, potentially staying, and he said, listen, if we can't get a lease and a secure deal here in Hartford and mm -hmm. it looks like we're going to move, he says, if you don't want to be a part of that transition and moving to another place, right. then I'll, I'll, tr I'll trade you to where you want to go. And so, you know, he kept his word. You know, at the end of the year, it looked like the team was not going to stay in Hartford much longer, and, I, and he asked me if I wanted to get moved, and I said, uh, I just I want to play in a place where I know it's my home, and I don't want to I don't want to be moved. We didn't even know the team was going to Carolina at the time. There was just right. just all they knew, all they could tell me was 
don't buy a place. <laughs> no, but he did trade you, but not to New York, though, to Detroit. Was it that just Detroit had the better offer, and that's why they, they dealt it to Detroit and not to New York? Well, what happened at that time was there were probably, uh, I think there were like three teams that I, you know, I didn't say I want to go to this one place, but right. I said, here are the three teams that I would prefer. Detroit was one of them, I imagine. Uh, Detroit was one of them, Philadelphia was one of them, and New York was one of them. Um, but, uh, you know, as a few days went by, it, it, it just really clearly came to me and, you know, had me feel <laughs> that it really was Detroit. And, uh, that it worked really out. To go to. And <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he worked, you know, I, I had no, no bad feelings about that time and that year in Hartford. Uh, you know, it was a good learning experience. It made me appreciate winning and being in a, you know, to go to an original six after sure. that, it made me appreciate it much more. Well, you win three cups uh, with Detroit, and, and actually in 2002 you won a, a gold medal playing for, for Canada in the Olympics that year, and that actually makes you one of the few guys that have won a Stanley Cup, an Olympic gold medal, and you also won a, a World Championship gold medal uh, for Canada in, in 1994, so you're one of the few guys to, to be able to pull off all three in your career. Yeah, they just they just did a nice thing for us actually at the uh, Olympics, and uh, sort of like a newly uh, organized or formed club that they've, they're calling the Triple Gold Club, and there are 22 members in the world and five Canadians, and uh, they did a nice presentation and gave us nice watches, and right. it was a, a, a nice thing to be a part of. I'm sure this year there's a potential that there'll be some more guys added to that club. Well, I think there are you the sixth guy to be a part of that club, as far was, as Canadians go. I think Stahl, Niedermeyer, Sackick, Rob Blake, and Chris Pronger, I think, are the other guys, I believe. Stahl? Eric, Eric Stahl. I think, I think Eric Stahl is the, the, you know, one of the newer guys. I think he just entered I can, that. I, well, I guess he, if, if, <laughs> if he has a world championship, and I know he has a Stanley Cup, then, right. then he's the newest member. But no American. A, no American has done it. <laughs> right. No American has done it because uh, even the ones that won Stanley Cups and gold medals uh, didn't get the world championship. But, you know, we, I sort of was joking around like the world championship's a funny tournament. You know, it's, it's really important <laughs> once you get there, but you always go there kicking and screaming because you wish you were still playing in the NHL playoffs. Right, right. Sure, sure. I guess it would be tough to pick one greatest moment, but in Detroit you won the three cups and the, the Olympic gold medal. Was there any one championship there that was extra special to you for any particular reason? Well, I think most players will, you know, they're all special, but I think most players will admit that the first one is the most special, mm -hmm. simply because part of the exhilaration of winning and, and the sense of accomplishment is also a sense of relief that you've, that you're finally, you, you have won. You know, Reach the holy won. grail, so to speak. There. Yeah, you know, you there's always that fear when you're playing and you haven't won one, like, am I going to be one of those guys that retires and says, I never, I, I, I never got close, right, I never right. got my name on the cup, so... You know, that's mixed in, you know, but I also say I don't think players get complacent after they win a cup. It, it actually it actually makes you spoiled for it. And once you win one, then, then you know, you never want to not have your name on sure. it. I used to always get really angry and pressed. <laughs> um, you know, I, I always got angry when I when I saw someone else win it before I'd won it. But after, after I'd won a cup and they would give it out to another team in June, I almost felt like... Uh, you know, went into depression. I think fans appreciate that competitiveness. I remember 
watching guys at the end of the game, let's say they lost a playoff game and, and the guys are kind of laughing and shaking hands on the losing team, I always wondered, like, how could they be smiling after losing a game like that? So, I mean, I think fans even recognize that too and appreciate when guys are that competitive that it's obviously not the end of the world. It's still only a game, but still your competitive spirit is, is not going to be one that's happy when you're losing a playoff game or lost a series. Oh, I, my, my wife got very used to me having, I used to have <laughs> nightmares for weeks at the end of every season, and it just got to the point where I'd say, like, I know this is going to end, but, you know, I had another one last night, and I would have these, like, horrible dreams of them <laughs> losing, <laughs> and it would go on and on and on, but, you know, that's, again, being, being oh. experienced enough to know that mm-hmm. eventually they stop, and I don't have to seek therapy. <laughs> Well, following that 2000, let's see, you, 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 you of course, had that great run in Detroit, and uh, following the 2005-06 season, you become a, a free agent again, uh, this time signing a one-year deer deal with the Rangers. So what at that time made you decide to come to New York? Well, you know, I, I just felt at the time all my, my uh, the players from my generation of the, of the Red Wings were, were retiring or, or, or moving on, and it just seemed that, I just had an instinct and a feeling that, you know, rather than, you know, wait around and sort of be like the last one left, uh, I <laughs> thought it was good to go out on a high and just, you know, when when it was my team and my boys and right. and, uh, and just make a change and have a new have a new challenge in my career. You know, um, I was in my 18th season, and, or 19th season, actually, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, to be basically... 30 years old and to get an exciting new challenge and sure. that adrenaline going was, was an exciting thing and, and also to leave Detroit on good terms and like I said it was just a feeling and instinct that you know I was more about the past there and, and uh, there were young players that were more about the future and right. I just wanted to get out of their way and let them do their thing. Well early that season in New York you're, you reach a milestone with the team scoring your 600th goal with the Rangers. At, at what point did milestones like this start to hit you like wow I've been doing this for, for quite a while now? Um, I don't think they ever do while you're playing. You know you just you're so like you know you, you get your 600th and, and all you're thinking about is getting you know your 600th first. Right. And and so on and so on. So um, I think it's I, I think at a certain point when you retire uh, you step back and you say, wow, I played a long time. I, I was just at the Olympics and I was having this, I was saying to a friend of mine, like, wow, you know, these guys are so lucky to play in a game like this, in a situation like this. I'm really jealous. Right. And they said, well, you did too. <laughs> and I thought, I thought yeah. Nothing goes sure. away, though, that burning desire to get involved, well, get in the mix. you know, right. You, you don't want to be selfish or greedy, but you think to yourself, like, yeah, that's right. I was uh, I, I was very fortunate to play in something. Look at Chris Chelios. He just signed with the Thrashers the other day. Well, he's 48 yeah. years old. He's still playing. He's a freak, he's a freak of nature. <laughs> Well, back to the Rangers. You also, that year with the Rangers, the first year you received a, a great honor, which was the, the Marc Messier Leadership Award. Now, I think, were you the first guy to get that uh, award? Yeah, I, I, I was the first, but it, was, it wasn't for the entire season. It was a monthly I, thing? I think, I think it was a monthly thing, and I yeah. was the first recipient. Right. It was nice. One incident I, I remember that season was in, in December of uh, the 2006-07 season, and the game against the Capitals went... When you went and challenged Donald Brashear after he took some liberties with uh, some of your teammates during the game, now I know you played a tough game throughout your career, but especially at your age at the time to take on a, a beast like Brashear, <laughs> I mean it seemed to send a you know send quite a message to your teammates. And I know as a fan, I just loved it. But that was uh, typical of the kind of uh, spirit you brought to the game, I think. Well, you know, I always 
I always say, you know, to people when I lived here and played here that, you know, I, I, I love living in New York City and I love, you know, going to the games and seeing the people and seeing the fans. And to me, I was always a better player when I took it personally like that. Mm -hmm. And so if I saw somebody doing something uh, something to a teammate of mine, um, I felt it was, it was not only an insult to that teammate and to all my teammates, but to the fans and everybody watching. So... Yeah, I don't know if this is a good idea, but uh, I always, you know, it gets talked about a lot, but the honest truth is I finished third in that fight. And, uh, you know, I had a lot. How do, how do you lot, finish third? I, I probably had more fights in my career that I thought were a lot better, but the point wasn't, you know, I knew I wasn't going to go out and beat up. Sure, no, there's a, there's a point. At least I, yeah. I, I, I wanted to at least say to him, you know, like, Point made. I, I, really, I really don't care what who I am or who you are, but you, I'm not going to let you get away with that. Well, it was actually uh, quite an eventful season for you. About a month or so later, you were involved with that terrible collision with uh, with Mike Knubel of the Flyers. You were, I think, you were unconscious for a couple of minutes there on the ice. At at some point, you begin to start to say to yourself, you know, maybe I've had had enough of this. This game's kind of beat me up a little bit. Well, I think you know, I never really minded the you know the injuries or or, or you know playing through pain or waking up in the morning and being sore like that. That incident had to have been a little scary though. Well, that that but I was going to say, but that that was a little different, you know, to be in a situation like that and uh, be, you know, I I did have like a, an injury to the my brain, and there was even, you know, there was there was like a physical scar on mm -hmm. it as well, and I had to wait uh, for that to go away before I played. I was I was dizzy, at, uh, you know, I had dizziness for over a month, so um, you know that was scary, and I had sort of promised myself and promised my wife that if I had second concussion uh, I was just going to retire I was lucky enough to play the rest of my career with my head up right right well, I mean that season the team did really well they, they swept the thrashes you came back and you know the Rangers lost a tough series to the Sabres in six games that year but uh, Drury at the time uh, kind of stole it away from the Rangers but I, I think that was a, a good team it seemed to have a good chemistry if they could have gotten by the Sabres I thought that uh, you guys had a good team that year yeah, I, I really, uh, I really did like the team, and we had a good mix of uh, Europeans and North Americans, uh, a good mix of skill and, and toughness, and, and then also some young players and, and some veterans. So, I think and a hot goalie team on any and, and I, well, I think that Hendricks the best goalie in the NHL, but I think on any team uh, you you really have to have a mix, and, and you're going to run into problems if you build your team too old or even if you build your team too young. Um, um, I, I think it's I think it's really important to have like a very good mix. Well, you come back the next year uh, with the Rangers, and I got the sense that the team wanted to have you back, but I think they were looking to see if they could land, uh, I guess, Matt Sundin first, and there's kind of like a waiting game going on that year. Uh, do you end up not signing with them? Yeah, you end up going back to to Jersey. Yeah, you know, I I, I think that I think there were some people that wanted me there, and I think there were others that, that were looking to move on, and and. And there was a bit of a waiting game. You're right. There were some people that were telling me to wait to train and that, you know, to stay ready. And, and But it just got to the point where, you know, the amount of people that were telling me to wait, train, and stay busy were starting to diminish. So, uh, you know, you get to a point where you have to listen to what you're being told. Right. And uh, after waiting for a certain amount of time, you know, Glenn Taylor just said to me, you know, or said to my agent, you know, maybe he should move on, and that's what I did. Well, in a way, it kind of is a nice way to to bring your career full circle, kind of ending where you started in New Jersey. Yeah, you know, I'm not really into stories like that. I could care <laughs> less about sympathy. Um, but 
what was what was nice was that you know I I had made a commitment to New York and, and to this area and, and to my family when I left the, the Red Wings that I wouldn't be one of those players that bounced from team to team to team to team in his last you know three or four seasons. Right, right. And uh, so as it turned out, it did bounce from one team to another, but it wasn't at the expense of them in any way. They didn't have to move. My kids didn't have to move schools. My wife didn't have to move. So um, I think you just make a decision at a certain point. I could have played this year. There are there are deals and offers out there, but I mm-hmm. would have been picking up the whole family and moving on. And at a certain point, you just say, 40, I'm actually 41 now, but when is when is uh, when am I just being greedy? Mm-hmm. And, uh, when am I being uh, making my family make sacrifices for me? So I uh, I decided to retire. Well, I know during the lockout in 2004-05, you, you had a big role in, in discussions with the league regarding improvements to the the flow and the speed of the game. And uh, now recently, of course, you you just signed on to to work for the National Hockey League as vice president of uh, hockey and business development. Uh, was there ever a point during your playing career that you, you thought maybe you could have a future with the league or, or in some capacity once your playing days were over? Well, I think while I was playing, I I, I, I tried to keep an open mind about working for in any capacity in hockey. Um, I think you, you train your whole life and you spend your whole life learning about this game and there aren't as many people in the world that can, you know, have that same expertise if you if you haven't it's it's just a unique expertise if if you're one of the players who have played it so right um i didn't know if i was going to go to the league or or end up with the union or or end up like going in the broadcast booth or going into coaching i but i what i just tried to do was not burn any of those bridges and right. keep an open mind and as it turned out when i retired i was approached by gary batman and this seemed like an opportunity for me to still have an impact on the game and and, and a positive one i hope now, you could have gone into film and been a movie star. I know you had uh, some bit roles in Forrest Gump and uh, Jim Carrey's Me, Myself, and Irene. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, whole, the whole movie star thing was not really good. You were your football player in Gump? I, didn't, I, I read that you were in that uh, Jim Carrey movie, but I don't know what you were in that. You were a, a little cameo in there somewhere? Yeah, my, my friends. I had some neighbors that, uh, you know, uh, in the summertime, I had some neighbors, the Fairley brothers, and, they said, you know, come on up to Burlington, Vermont. We're shooting this Meet Myself Irene. Come check it out. It's fun. We'll, we'll go to dinner. And so my wife and I went up and we hung out and watched on the set the first day. And then they somehow talked me into <laughs> jumping in the scene the second day, which meant, you know, getting a uh, getting my head shaved practically <laughs> to be a state trooper, you know. So uh, it was much more fun the first day where we could move around. The second day where I was actually an extra in a scene, it was like hours of sitting around waiting. You know, you get an appreciation for actually how long the hours these guys put in, but that's why uh, that's why they're famous. That's why they get paid the big bucks. <laughs> so you had no no uh, lines exchanged with uh, Jim Carrey there. No, no, my all my I told everybody all my 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 fight scene with Jim Carrey and my love scene my love scene with Renee Zellweger got cut. <laughs> it figures, right? I guess you're stuck working for the National Hockey League now. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Well, Shani, uh, as the only player in NHL history with over 600 goals and, and 2,000 penalty minutes, you certainly had quite a career playing professional hockey. I just want to wish you all the best in your new career with the league, and, and thank you again for spending some time talking with me tonight. Thank you very much.